Murder, divorce, drugs. Our courts are full of stories, scary, sad, and hilarious. Most are tales stranger than fiction. These are true law stories. Brought to you by VideoCaseStory.com, the ultimate resource for customer and client video stories. All right, we're going to talk on this true law stories about how not to go to courts. We're going to talk about mediation, arbitration, the difference between the two of them, how to win a mediation, what, how not to win a mediation, and how Zoom changed mediation. All this with Adam from Cagnet Myron, a law firm. Adam, say hi. Hey, Ian. How are you today? I'm great. And we're about to get started, but of course, it's brought to you by VideoCaseStory.com. Your stories of your business, whether you're a lawyer, doctor, dentist, or any other type of business, are one of your most powerful marketing tools. Go to VideoCaseStory.com where we can learn how we can help you collect, craft, and deliver those. All right, let's get started. So Adam, tell me, uh, before we get into some of your stories, tell me a little bit about your background and explaining what ADR is, Alternative uh, Dispute Resolution and Mediation. Sure. Uh, I, I was trained as a litigator uh, throughout my legal career, which I'm still engaged in. Um, I, I was sworn into the Maryland bar in 2002 and then the Florida bar in 2004 uh, because I've been active in Florida for, throughout the bulk of my career. I, I'm deactivated in Maryland, but I'm still an active attorney uh, practicing law in Florida. What I typically do on the litigation end is business and commercial litigation with some trust and estate litigation thrown in as well um, and also some professional liability litigation. Usually those involve disputes between people and companies or companies and companies or people and people um, dealing with money, uh, disputes over some sort of claim related to money. And uh, the second part of your question is, what is ADR? Well, the second component to my practice is, is, is not what I think of as traditional dispute resolution, which is going to court. It is alternative dispute resolution. That's what ADR stands for. And that involves, in my practice, mediations and arbitrations, mostly mediations. And it's really a passion of mine. Conflict resolution is a passion of mine. And that's, that's what I, I try to do to help people find another method to resolve their conflict and their disputes without having to go to court. Awesome. And what led you into at, going from litigation into like this type of ADR and mediation? Sure, that's a great question. Well, over the years as a litigator, and primarily, again, as I said, a business litigator, um, I, would, I would have case after case where, you know, I knew that if I was getting a good result for my client, it typically would still end up in the client having to spend an extraordinary sum of money. And I, I thought to myself, there has to be a better way. And early on in my career, I attended a few mediations as the advocate where I was advocating on behalf of my client uh, in this alternative forum that I was mentioning a moment ago. And I really saw the power of dispute resolution at that point in time. And I saw the power of, that a good mediator has to help people start reframing the issues, thinking about things a little bit differently, and really the power that everybody has when they're in a mediation to put their disputes behind them and maybe wake up the next morning feeling, you know, like I'm not going to feel great necessarily. Maybe it was a tough deal that had to be brokered. Maybe it was a great deal. They're not usually not going to feel wonderful, but they're going to feel amazing when they think about the fact that their dispute is actually over because litigation is so stressful and it's so time consuming and it's so expensive. 
And so when, you know, when I, when I saw that happen again and again and again, and I, I remember having a conversation with a client once where they were going over how much money they spent over the years with the firm I was with at the time, litigating a, a huge case. And so it was kind of small potatoes in terms of the grand scheme of damages that they were, that the other side was seeking. I was doing the defense of the case. I think they wanted a billion dollars on the other side. But nevertheless, even though it was small potatoes, it was still in the, the, the eight-figure range, I believe. No, maybe it was the seven-figure range of, of attorney's fees that had to be spent defending that. And I thought there has to be a better way. I'd seen the better way, and, and I wanted to be as much involved in that better way as possible. And so I became what's known in Florida as a Florida Supreme Court Certified Circuit Mediator. Uh, it's a special certification that you can get. It implies uh, uh, that, that the mediator has to follow certain ethical guidelines uh, during the course of a mediation so that it preserves the party's right to autonomy and self-determination and, and of course confidentiality which is a big component of these things as well you know it's funny like at the end you're talking about like at the end it's nice it's resolved but it's like at the end it'd be nice to send them a bill and go hey here's the bill that would have happened if if you wouldn't have done this <laughs> it's like you know yeah saving them millions of dollars no that, that's that's a huge component of it i and i mean Part of what I do in as the mediator is I get people to think about what it could cost them if they continue on with the dispute down the road that they're going, and so they can see the alternative. And, you know, maybe it ends up in that that brokered deal. Um, you know, let me let me let me mention one thing in that regard. A lot of people think that a mediation means that a successful mediation or successful successful negotiation means that nobody is really all that happy at the end of the day. I actually don't subscribe to that theory. I don't think things have to be a zero-sum game. Um, and, and so, you know, I think that, that, that frequently, even if they're not thinking about just the cost savings, they might end up in a much better scenario, um, regardless of the cost savings, than they would have been if they had continued on with the, with the litigation. It's a naturally less frictioned, right? It just, I mean, just the term alone frames it as, Hey, we're going to compromise versus litigation in court is we're going to attack, right? That's absolutely right. It's absolutely right. I used to think to myself, if I was doing my job well as a litigator, I was making my client very happy when I knew I was making somebody else miserable and that didn't feel so great. And so to, to go through this process of becoming the, the, nego the, the negotiation broker, the mediator, it really, it really re helps reframe everything as part of my career. To, to the terms we were mentioning a moment ago, which is again, you know, maybe you're not going to feel as wonderful as if you had won the whole case just from a what I what I what I was awarded standpoint by a judge or a jury, forgetting about the costs, of course, that 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 are required to get you to that point. But you're still going to feel so much better the next day. And I knew if I was doing my job well as a mediator, I would help everyone feel better when all was said and done. And that really that really was a, a big a big inspiration for what I did. And, you know, you said like there, there were these aha moments. Do you remember a moment you're like, was there a specific moment? Was it sending a bill or was it in the middle of court that you're like, man, there's got to be a better way to do this? Well, I'd love to tell you that there was because it makes for a, certainly a better story. I don't know if there was an aha moment, but it was just sort of a natural fit um, I, with my own my own style. I mean, my my style when I when I litigate is, you know, I'm always thinking about not the money that could be made as part of the litigation. I'm thinking about what can I do for my client to help to help resolve this one way or another. And frequently that would involve negotiating. 
and trying to put it past you and not say not you know taking this hard line stance of well we're going to go to court and we're going to get a million dollars and let's put aside the fact that it's going to cost you you know a million and a half to get there potentially because it could be so costly and you know frequently there's these provisions uh, either under statute or under a contract that you might have with the party you're opposing where where it says that if you win you get your fees but that also means that if you lose you get your fees back or you have to pay the other side's fees and that's you know that's a big risk so usually when when we can broker these deals um, that that helps put it all behind you and not have that risk moving forward so is there an aha moment no but it was a gradual process where it was it was a lot of self-reflection and understanding the kind of person i am and what and what i feel passionate about and that was important to me to follow that particular passion nice well yeah no it's great it's great and it, it I, you know it's interesting because being you know working with attorneys for so long and i think about divorce and collaborative divorce right and so few people still know like people still come you know i talk to attorneys like there's this new thing collaborative divorce i'm like well a that's not new but b no one knows about it do you feel that like most people just don't understand or don't know about mediation your point about collaborative mediation is in family law situations is very well taken i'm i'm not a family mediator um, but I do, I, I do know what the collaborative process is basically about, and, and I think it's a wonderful process. Are people aware of mediation? You have no idea how many times it, people confuse the term mediation with arbitration, or you know, they, they, I mean, people I would think would know what it is, they don't necessarily know what it is, and that's nothing against those people. It's that, it's that there needs to be more of a push in Florida, and I think frankly, countrywide and worldwide towards these alternative dispute mechanisms that people can take advantage of. And that means educating more people about what they're about. Usually the attorneys know about it, generally speaking, but many times people have contracts, people who aren't attorneys, they have contracts and their contracts provide that you're going to attend a mediation in the event of a dispute before anyone even goes to court. I don't even think a lot of the times people who are signing these contracts know what that really means. If they knew what it meant, they'd probably be even more eager to sign the agreements because if they knew what I knew about the power of mediation. Um, but there are, there are many people who know what it is. There are many people, as I said, who don't. Usually you will be required in state court in Florida and usually in federal court, as, as I've seen as well, you will be required to attend mediation at some point during the case, even if um, there was no, for instance, clause that the parties would mediate before going to court. Interesting. Yeah. And, and so how had have these recent laws, you know, that have been passed as far as attorney's fees and stuff, especially in the insurance world, is that going to affect mediation? Is it going to increase it? Is it not going to happen? Yeah, well, I couldn't see. Do you mean the, do you mean these the new tort reform laws in Florida? Yeah. The new tort reform laws. Yeah. Frankly, I do not know. Um, I'm, I'm hopeful that, that people will, regardless of the laws, see the benefit to mediating potentially early uh, if the parties are ready for it. Uh, even if they might not be ready for a complete resolution, mediating early, in my opinion, helps get the parties in a posture towards resolution even in the future that I think leaves them better off than the way they were before. I don't know if the new tort reform is, uh, act is going, to, is going to increase mediations. What I do know is that it has certainly increased cases for the time being because there are a lot of people that wanted to file their cases before the law went into effect, uh, especially given the, the new, the new 
comparative fault scheme that we have in Florida. And, and I don't mean scheme in a pejorative way. I just, it's just, it is the new scheme for, for assessing comparative fault. And I think a lot of people, a lot of attorneys realized, and those plaintiff's attorneys, they realized that, that this is going to be a problem. So they got their cases in very quick. I, I spoke to one attorney who I think filed 50 cases in a single day um, that wouldn't, nece- wouldn't necessarily have been filed. Um, and, and I think it's, in some ways, it's a it's a shame that that it led to that. I'm not I'm not I don't want to take a position on your podcast about the bill itself and about the merits of the bill itself and the new law, but but I think it's a shame that it has led to such an increase in the amount of cases filed because a lot of those cases may have been settled before they ever got to the court system because there's many times that in in a personal injury uh, dispute the parties will be able to negotiate without having to have a lawsuit filed. That didn't happen now. And once you file a lawsuit, a lot of wheels start grinding and a lot of things start happening that wouldn't necessarily have happened before. And that's going to be a tax on, on essentially everybody involved in the judicial system. You know, and so with mediation, you know, I, I mean, it, it's got to be some weird things happen in it, right? It's got to be different. And I've heard weird stories about mediation, people going in and out and all sorts of things happening. What is the vibe in a, in a mediation? What is that like? And, how, you know, because is, is it antagonistic? Are people fighting across there and you got to like pull them apart? Well, you know, it, it, thankfully in, in, in my mediations, I, I pride myself on setting a tone that will hopefully diffuse some of that natural adversarialness that people walk in with. But yeah, there are times when people are a little bit more geared up for a fight uh, than others. Uh, personally, I, my philosophy is that you need to tone all that down early on. If you come in guns a-blazing, you did this and you did that, and I'm going to get this and you're going to be poor. And you're, if, you, if you don't declare bankruptcy, you know, and, and, and then probably after you do declare bankruptcy, you're never going to come out of it for years. And then you're going to be in the poorhouse after that. And, you know, people, they take on these, these um, uh, roles almost. It's almost, it's almost cartoonish. And it is an impediment to resolution. So if your goal is to resolve that day, don't, don't come in guns a-blazing. Come in resolution-minded. I'll share with you that, you know, I, I mentioned I still litigate. I attended a mediation recently as the advocate, not as the mediator, but as the advocate. And there were claims going back and forth um, against the different parties. And, and I, you know, I thought about the opening that I wanted to give and I realized I'm not going to say anything that the other side hasn't heard before. There's going to be no agreement from them whatsoever in terms of the facts and the law on certain issues. So what did I do? I thought about my opening that I make as the mediator when I get people in the frame of mind of resolution and taking advantage of the unique opportunity they have that day. I just modified it. I used a lot of the same rhetoric it, 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 to, to, that I would use in my opening as the mediator, in my opening as the advocate. And, you know, we were actually still negotiating over that one, um, but it is, it is getting really close to resolution. And the other, the other attorney on the opposite side said that they found it very effective and that it probably was one of the few things that could have been said that got people in the frame of mind of resolving. So my point of all that is don't, in my opinion, you, you could do what you want because I can't tell you what to do in a mediation. <laughs> But in my opinion, if you're coming in, you know, as the hardball negotiator who's going to be setting the other side intentionally, 
I think you're making a mistake if your goal is to actually resolve that day. I mean, that, that makes sense, right? <laughs> it's the best negotiators come in with a win-win attitude. And, you know, they, they want to make it that way. And I think it, it makes complete sense. Because, you know, we've done so many litigation stories, so many personal injury stories, so many criminal stories. And it, when you go to trial, someone leaves there very, very, very unhappy. Yeah. And even if you, like, I know in family law, like, no one really ever wins when they go to trial. It makes complete sense. And, uh, but, so, you know, you mentioned to mediation versus arbitration. And let's describe the difference uh, of, between those two. Sure. So a mediation involves both parties deciding to come to the table, as I've been describing before, where everybody's going to have an opportunity to be heard and the mediator will act as a, as a, as a go-between to, <laughs> it's, it's in the name, to be the medium through which each party's perspective is communicated effectively towards the other party. And the parties are free to come up with their own resolution of the dispute um, it could be a complete settlement. It could be a partial settlement. It could be no settlement at all. They have all of the control and anything that uh, is agreed to has to be completely consensual between the parties. An arbitration, on the other hand, is, sor is, a, is sort of like uh, a, a trial in front of a judge. But instead of a judge, you have an arbitrator. And instead of the strict and formal rules that you have to adhere to that are promulgated by the Florida Supreme Court, you have a more relaxed set of rules about what can come into evidence and what kind of what kinds of arguments can be made. The parties will come in, each side will make their their case to the arbitrator who will impose some sort of what's called an award. Uh, the award could be zero or it could be or it could be some sum of money or it could be something that's non-monetary or mixture. Um, and that that arbitrator is making as I said, the decision about what is going to happen. And then there's non-binding arbitrations in Florida, meaning that the parties do not have to accept the award that is that the arbitrator uh, renders. And then there are binding arbitrations that the parties can agree to as well, where they do have to ex accept the award, and then the award gets converted into a judgment if the parties wish to do so. So that's, that's the primary difference. I actually, in addition to my mediation practice, I am an arbitrator as well. It's, in Florida, it's known as a Florida qualified arbitrator. Gotcha. Gotcha. And I mean, arbitration last year was pretty big in the news, wasn't it? Well, uh, in what, in what respect do you think there was, was it last year or the year before on the forced arbitration clauses or in legislation that was going mm -hmm. through? Uh, oh, are you, you're, you're thinking of the, uh, in, in sort of a, a reaction in some respects to the Me Too movement, a lot of the, the hush, hush money and, you know, the confidentiality and these non-disclosure agreements. Is that what you're thinking yeah, I, mean, I, think it, I think it certainly got more attention at that time i don't know i don't know that there's been an enormous change in the law in that respect but um uh, that's that's one context where there has been certainly a lot of discussion of, of arbitrations and so you know when you're i mean you're doing both litigation and alternative dispute resolution what at what point are you going this isn't going to work we're going to have to litigate well if i'm the mediator um it's just when the parties reach what's known as an impasse and, uh, and, and then they are going to go on. They're either going to continue the litigation or somebody's going to initiate the litigation, depending upon the posture that the uh, dispute was in at the time it came to me as the mediator. But it's not really for me to say um, what they have to do afterwards. They have to make that decision on their own. 
And if it's, it, it, you know, if they're going to do something in court afterwards, that's, that's typically the result of there having been an impasse. Um, for me as, as an advocate, uh, you know, I will, I will try my hardest to try to reach some sort of resolution for my client if I can, but if I cannot, I'll, go, I'll be happy to file a lawsuit on their behalf or continue the defense if we're on that side of it. That's great. I mean, it's, it's interesting. It's just, it, so let's say, you know, I, I have business, I'm in, in a fight with another business for some reason, shape or form is, is mediation something that I can initiate or I'm, I'm like, Hey, let's go to mediation first before we get into this big fight. Or is it like, Hey, we got to have the attorneys talk. Yeah. So, so sometimes as I was, I think I mentioned this before, there are uh, clauses within contracts between individuals and businesses uh, or again, business to business or individual to individual where they will, it will say, that as a prerequisite to going to court, you have to mediate the dispute. Or sometimes there's a, a clause that says that you will arbitrate instead of going to court. And it could be a mixture of both. There might be a clause that says you first you mediate, and if you can't mediate, you're going to arbitrate, but you're not going to go to court. And if all of those clauses are ultimately legally enforceable, then that'll be the pathway that the parties go down. But sometimes it's there is no such clause in, in, in a contract or anything like that. And um, at that point, it is totally up to the parties whether they want to avail themselves of mediation mechanisms. All they have to do is say, hey, what do you think um, about trying to resolve this? If they can't resolve it amongst themselves, maybe somebody says, you know, perhaps the parties would benefit from a mediation. What do you think? And if the other side, side agrees and they call up somebody like me, and, and I'd be happy to help them resolve it. It makes sense, right? I feel like it makes sense to start that way versus going, I'm lawyering, lawyering up, let's go. There's always a cost associated with it. It's not like the services come for free, but when you compare the cost to the potential cost, if you don't resolve it early, I, I, think, I think if you have parties who are willing to entertain negotiations, they usually benefit greatly from the help of a mediator. I mean, especially if you've had any experience going through litigation or know anyone that does, you know, it's like, I, I can't tell me, you know, owning a business and I know so many business owners and they're, they're like, yeah, I'm still in litigation. It's like four years later and I, it's, For sure. it's hanging over their head. So yeah, how long, I mean, is there a, a time, a usual time frame for a mediation? Um, you know, a, a lot. Do you mean a time frame for when along the timeline of a dispute um, the parties go or how long they usually take? How long they usually take? Oh, sure. That's a great question. So um, the way I set up my practice uh, as a mediator is, is I offer two-hour, four-hour, three-hour, four-hour, and full-day mediations. Now, I, I got to tell you, no matter what the parties think, it's my experience that it's usually at least an hour longer. There's just so much more that, 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 that needs to happen sometimes within the context of a mediation that people anticipate. And so if, you know, trying to get, trying to get through anything everyone has to say, communicating their sides to the mediator, going back and forth, which we call caucusing in a mediation to speak with both sides, then potentially resolving, then getting an agreement signed is usually going to take way more than two, well, maybe not way more, but two more than two hours. Two hours is a very quick time frame. And so I, I, my rule of thumb is that it usually takes at least an hour longer. And as a result... I, you know, I pride myself on making myself as, as accessible as possible. So I don't, I, I usually don't even book more than one mediation in a day, despite requests. And so 
because I don't want to be in a situation and this has happened to me one time. I don't want to be in a situation where the parties are are close to resolving. And then I say, I'm sorry, but I have another mediation I need to attend to. I don't want to do that. I want to help them. That's what this is all about. And so, um, you know, I will, I will share with you that one time I did break that rule and it was only because I was, I was, I was asked in it very strongly, please, you know, will you, will you do one like on this day, on this particular day? And I said, well, I've, I've got another one starting for whatever reason. It was supposed to start at one fifteen, and they had booked four hours. And with my rule of thumb, it was going to take probably five hours. And, and the, the, the people who were calling me, they were, you know, they said, can you do it in the morning? I said, I, I can. But I have to warn you, if this is the only day that you can do it, you can do it and you want to do do it with me, that's fine. But but I got to warn you, I, I have to be done by one ten or whatever it was. And 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 luckily we got through it uh, in within the four hour time frame. And it, I think I think it went from nine to about one one oh five or something like that. And then thank goodness the it, that wasn't the second mediation of the day because the one. That's and this is to illustrate the point I was trying to make. The one that was supposed to start at one fifteen and go about four hours, well, that went from one fifteen to eleven ten at night. So we're talking approximately ten hours of negotiating, and it resolved. And I was very happy with the with the fact that everyone was able to resolve. Just from a personal standpoint, I like it when people are happy. And uh, it, it, but but that my, that's why my policy exists. That I don't like booking things twice and or booking two mediations in a day because. What if that one was, you know, the nine o'clock one, and then it ended at, at, at seven at night and, and, you know, then the other, the other people would have been saying, where's my mediation? And not, probably neither of them would have ended up settling. So, um, you know, they can, to, I guess to, that's a long way of answering your question, Ian, that they can, they, they take on a life of their own and they can go for, you know, a, a few hours to a full day to even longer than a full day and sometimes multiple days. But it's still less time than going to trial. That's great. That's great. And you know, one last question. So, how has Zoom and virtual, and you know, the, the pandemic wake changed mediation? Well, it's it's changed it um, in that it's almost all about Zoom now. Um, there are still in person mediations, I but they are few and far between. Um, most people like the convenience of being able to do it on Zoom and there's benefits to it and there's some drawbacks too. So in terms of drawbacks, you're not really getting as much of a personal touch to everything. You know, when people are face to face, it's harder to be adversarial than when they're, when they have this, the, the, uh, the internet between them, so to speak. Um, so, so there, there, you, you, you lose a little bit there when you're not in person, and, and, and also there's a, there's, there's a time commitment factor when you're in person. People have to get there, right? Um, and when, when they get there, that's an investment of their time. And so, if people are wanting to resolve, they're going to probably work a little bit harder, in my opinion, to resolve when they've already put in that investment of their time advantages to zoom mediation i mean it's it makes it much more convenient um you might get more involvement from from people who are decision makers than you might have gotten back when everything was solely in person um specifically maybe an adjuster instead of they're available by phone they're more now on the zoom um to to be there as part of the negotiation process uh as opposed to have a call made to them every once in a while 
um, you know, I, I think that there is there are some advantages in that respect. So with the convenience of Zoom, I mean, it, it is it's proliferated in, in all sorts of ways, but specifically, um, you know, definitely in the mediation world. But then it gets a little bit funny sometimes. I mean, I had a I had a, a mediation once where um, two two family members were were in a dispute and it turned out that they were also at the same time living together. And I found out that they were both participating in the Zoom mediation in their own separate Zoom rooms, but they were also in the same house. Uh, so they were just on the ends of the house. And that was, that was quite a surprise to me when I learned of it. And it doesn't mean that it can't be done. Obviously, it can be done. Uh, and I believe they resolved that case, if I, if I recall correctly. But it certainly makes for some interesting scenarios that maybe you didn't anticipate would happen when you when you began the day. Awesome, Adam. So talk to a little bit about working with you. Where can we get in touch with you? And what's the process for getting started with mediation? Sure. So um, I work in Wellington, Florida, which is part of Palm Beach County. I mediate all over the state, though. Um, so your dispute doesn't have to be located in Palm Beach County in order for me to help you out. Um, you can reach me at uh, 561-421-2788. Uh, my firm is Cagnet Myron Law. You can read a little bit about me at cagnetmyronlaw.com. It's C-A-G-N-E-T, Myron, M-Y-R-O-N, law, L-A-W.com. And my email is amyron at cagnetmyronlaw.com. Easy enough. We'll put all links to all that in the show notes. Well, Adam, thank you so much for being on True Law Stories. Thank you for having me, Ian. It was a, it was a true pleasure speaking with you. It was a pleasure too. And thank you for taking Adam and I on your journey. It's been Ian Garlic and True Law Stories. True Law Stories has been brought to you by VideoCaseStory.com. Testimonials stink. No one wants to watch a testimonial or read a case study. You need Video Case Stories for your business. Go to VideoCaseStory.com to learn more.